Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour of information, entertainment, hopefully, humor, maybe. I've been, I've been known to, I've been known to share a laugh or two. But anyway, having tax season sort of over, but not really over this year is very odd. They extended the April 15th deadline and just moved it to July. It was sort of a good news and bad news for my business. There were certain things that I do every April 10th to 15th, which is a lot of my clients who normally do extensions so they don't actually file their returns till summer, maybe up till the deadline in October 15th. The work in April for them is, number one, to make sure to file the extension on time. But number two, if they do owe taxes, I have to calculate what they owe so that they can pay them with the extension on April 15 and not have penalties and interest. The new deadline has basically said, no, there is no extension required. There's no penalty and interest as long as those same taxes that would normally be due April 15 are paid by July 15. So in that respect, there is a quite a bit of less work for some clients because I don't have to worry about the dollar amount right at the 15th. And now I've got a month or so to just go through all of the extension clients of mine and see where they're at, get their things ready, and whatever tax they would have owed in April, they can pay in July. In my opinion, and I really don't know this, it's just a total guess, I honestly think that there are going to be some other things gifted by the IRS for some relief. In other words, if you have a business that had a good a good year in 2019, but this whole shutdown thing has made it to where they're now broke and running out of money, then I believe there's going to be some allowance for that where people are going to get some breaks going into when we get to October and they file these returns with a balance due for 2019, but they've lost money in 2020, uh, there's going to be some uh, breaks there. One of the other things that they've done that is going to be very helpful, the thing called the net operating loss, if you have an overall terrible year and your AGI, I used to call it the bottom of the front page, since they changed the tax laws in 2018, the bottom of the front page is no longer the AGI, which it was for, oh, I don't know, some 60 years, I think. But the AGI is the key number that a lot of things go off of. If the AGI is negative, and even sometimes when it isn't, but normally if the AGI is negative, in other words, if your wife works and makes 30000 but you have a disaster year in your business and you lose 50000 your AGI would then be 30 minus 50, which would be a negative 20. There's a good chance that that 20 or more will be translated into what's called a net operating loss. All of the past year's net operating losses, you could carry them, if you had one, you could carry them back and get tax back in a prior year. Now, the number of years back has been up and down, in and out, uh, all kinds of Special stuff went on in 08 and 09. But the bottom line is in the 2018 tax law, which came in at the end of 2017, net operating losses were no longer allowed to be carried back. They were carried forward only. It messed a few people up. I had a couple of corporate clients that we had sort of planned on utilizing some NOL stuff, and that law just threw it out the window. The latest thing, though, is the NOLs are now going to be allowed to be carried back once again like they used to be. It's going to help a lot of people. When a company that had real big years of 18 and 19, and now in 20 they've been shut down and they have a giant loss, we don't know what the rest of 20 is going to look like. But based on what I've been reading, I don't know how good it can get, how fast and it can get it, thinking like oil companies and people who bet on high oil prices, they're losing their shirts right now. The bottom line is the new law is going to allow carryback of net operating losses. I 
I haven't memorized all the rules. They're, they may be two years back, three years back. At one point, they let people go five years back. I remember when my father passed away and I was helping with his final taxes, with all of his medical bills, we were able to actually carry his loss back five years due to the new rules in 09, and it worked out really well. He got a pretty big refund, which was very nice. So we don't know. I don't know yet all the details. They're kind of out. I just haven't memorized them yet. There will be a lot of tax help for businesses that have losses this year, along with the loans and the non-payable back EIDL grants, all these things. Now, one of the bummers of the last couple weeks, I'm sure you've probably heard about this by now, the initial so many billion that was allowed to go into these called PPP loans, payroll protection program, that money ran out like in the first week, I think. But I'm telling clients, go ahead and start applying anyway because there's a good chance they're going to increase the amount of this bailout money for these PPP type loans. When they do, if you're in the line and in the queue, then you may be entitled to some of that. And I'm not going to go into all the details of that. It's generally speaking, it's a loan that covers two and a half months of payroll expense. And if you spend it on payroll related related items, mostly you won't have to pay it back. So it's, sort of like a government grant to keep your payroll being paid. That's what it's translating to be, in my opinion. I'm not the world's leading expert on all these new loan programs. I'm learning as I go. Tax season just ended very recently. I've just now been able to gather my breath and get all my callbacks and answer people's questions. One thing I can say that I found out today, you guys may be ahead of me on this, I was helping a client who wanted to know when his stimulus check would arrive. He doesn't have bank information with the IRS. All I had been hearing is that that checks would start being printed and mailed in May. Today, I helped him look up where his stimulus check would be. He's not real computer savvy. And it turns out that his check is planning on being mailed on Friday, April 24th, and I told him he probably will be getting a check in the mail by next week. If they actually mail by April 24th, it sounds like they're a little bit ahead of the curve of what they originally said. I was actually going to help him go online to the IRS and put in his bank info so his stimulus money, his $1,200, would come directly to his bank. But when I got to that point, because the other day it was so clogged I couldn't get through, when it got to that point, it didn't say put in your bank info. It just said your check's going to be mailed on the 24th. They said it's scheduled to be mailed on the 24th. So that is where the stimulus checks seem to be. Even if you didn't have bank information for them to do a direct deposit, seems like they're going to be mailing checks fairly soon and quicker than the month of May, according to the what I just saw on the website. Now, I've got so many things I wanted to talk about. I, I mean, I don't know how much you guys have been reading. I like to point you guys to places, places that you can look up interesting articles. As I've said before, one of my favorite places is zerohedge.com. But I found another place that's got a lot of good financial-type articles, and it's called wallstreetonparade.com. It's all one word. And I was going to share a quick portion of an article on that website that was dated April 17th of 2020. And the title of the article is, Americans are paying a tragic price for allowing five banks to control the U.S. economy. And it says, uh, according to the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is the FDIC, which I've talked about before on Business Buzz, don't forget that if there's $7 trillion of FDIC-insured deposits, the FDIC has something like $40 billion in cash, which means that it translates to like one out of every $15,000 in an FDIC bank account would be covered if there was a you know, nationwide disaster. Uh, 
just my opinion. I'm not a I'm not a government agent. Don't play one on TV, and I don't ever want to be one. I've always been amazed at people who go to a uh, CPA and he advertises former IRS. It's like, hmm, do I really want to work with a man who would work for the IRS? Don't know. That would be everybody would have to just do their own call on that one. But uh, I have a big problem with that. Uh, not that I have anything against the IRS, but anybody who would work for him and then be a CPA, I, it seems very strange. So I'm just going to read a little bit of this article. It says, according to the FDIC, as of yesterday, and that would have been the 16th of April, there were 5,117 federally insured banks and savings associations in the United States. But in terms of risk to the U.S. economy and financial system, according to the U.S. Treasury's Office of Financial Research, only five of those banks matter. And as you can see from the chart above, those five banks are tanking, and it's talking about their share price. Uh, Hopefully your 401k isn't sitting there with these guys in it. On February 14th of this year, Citigroup's share price closed at $78. Yesterday it closed at 40, a decline of 48% in two months. Now listen to this part. This is the same bank that was resuscitated by the regulators during the 07 to 10 financial crash when its share price went to 99 cents. Citigroup received the largest bailout in global banking history, including $2.5 trillion in secret cumulative revolving loans from the Federal Reserve. On February 14th, the common stock of J.P. Morgan Chase The bank that has perpetually bragged for years about its fortress balance sheet closed at $137. Yesterday, J.P. Morgan Chase closed at $87, a decline of 36% in two months. As the chart above indicates, the stock prices of the Wall Street megabanks are performing far worse than the broader market as measured by the Dow Jones Industrial. That's very bad news for the U.S. economy because it's the industrial and energy and pharmaceutical and technology companies in the Dow that need to borrow from these banks in order to continue paying salaries to millions of workers and avoid severe layoffs. The financial condition of these banks essentially means the difference between the life and death of the U.S. economy. It's not looking good so far. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell joined the Federal Reserve's board on May 25, 2012. Over that time, Powell should certainly have become aware of the repeated warnings of the Office of Financial Research that America was at dangerous risk from ignoring the concentration and leverage of its banking sector. But instead of reining in those concentrated risks, the Federal Reserve has allowed them to mushroom. So I'm not going to read this entire thing, but um, it's... uh, it just this article is really good. You should I recommend you go to Wall Street on Parade and read some of these articles. They they don't they try to write it in semi layman's terms. It's not technical writing like an economist would be doing. But I really think you should read some of these articles. Can you imagine a bank, a private company, getting secretly two and a half trillion dollars secret? I mean, come on, and we've got three hundred and fifty billion to the quote working people and it already ran out in the first week of applications and these people are getting trillions of dollars in secret. I do believe that when those bailouts occurred, it took about five years and it was Bloomberg of all people, Bloomberg, the company, it was Bloomberg who finally did all the freedom of information act requests and finally got the answer to where did all the trillions go in 08, 09, and 010, and it's shameful and shocking what they found out. And I've talked about that before on Business Buzz. I'm not going to beat a dead horse, as they say. Hey, we're coming up on the first break. I'm going to get into some interesting stuff because I have talked in the past on Business Buzz about vaccines and the business of medicine, and I've got a little more info on that coming up that's I find uh, I find it very entertaining. Hopefully you will too. Uh, not sure, but we'll see. And let me just, I got to get to a different article here. So 
There's that break. I will see you in a minute. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Life hits us hard. We begin asking hard questions, and we need real answers. Suddenly, the laughter of the sitcom seems so shallow, and sappy love songs offer no real hope or direction. But piercing through the static of entertainment comes a glimpse of clarity. Here we are, a radio station with answers. Most entertainment helps you escape reality. We help you face it with hope, peace, and answers that come from God. Lock it in here for Real Life Answers. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. People we call the unchurched often have a very different view than we have. Yeah, man, I believe there's a God, a higher spirit, whatever you want to call it. You can have faith in anything you want. There are many different views on God out there, so we want to be the station where people can tune in and find some real truth presented in a relevant, respectful way. Did you know that about a third of our audience doesn't even go to any church at all? Well, thanks to your financial support of our ministries, we're able to be here with a message for everyone. People who go to church and people who don't. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Why should we follow God's Word? David Hawking clues us in. Great changes could take place in our life, folks, if we're controlled by what God's Word says rather than what the world says. More about the blessings that come from obeying God's Word this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, on a post-April 15th afternoon, even though we're not out of tax season, because like I was saying, it got extended to July 15th, but I did my best to get done everybody that brought me their work so that I didn't delay anyone. Of course, if you are getting a refund, you want to file now because you'll get the refund sooner. If you want a stimulus check, the general rule, and don't quote me because I, I don't research this every day and it seems to change every day, but if you're a Social Security recipient that doesn't need to file taxes, they will send your $1,200 to your direct deposit account. Maybe you've already gotten that. If you filed a return in 18 or 19 and you have income levels that aren't too high, you'll be getting a $1,200 direct deposit if they have your bank info. And they'll be mailing you a check if they don't have your bank info. That's the way I see it, and uh, I'm sticking by my story. So the next topic, which is really the biggest topic of the year so far because it's completely wrecked the entire world economy. Well, I've said it before a few weeks ago. The world economy was a wreck before this virus, but I think the virus is going to be the nice scapegoat that can be blamed for the disaster that is the world economy right now. So then my next topic, I'm just going to lead you into it gradually without without giving away the giving away the punchline. But I've got three articles. One is from 2010, one is from April and Feb well February of 2020 with an April update, and one just came out a couple of days ago. And uh I'm not even going to tell you what what the punchline is. I'm just going to read a little bit from three different articles. The first article is from a news accumulation website called rents.com, R-E-N-S-E, where it links a bunch of news items from around the world. And it also does articles and people write articles. So this is an article from March 4th of 2010 from by F. William Engdahl, uh, his book is titled "Author." Uh, he's author of Full Spectrum Dominance, Totalitarian Democracy in the New World Order. Now, this is March of 2010. So this is over 10 years ago. And the title is Bill Gates on, quote, Vaccines to Reduce Population. Uh, Microsoft founder and one of the world's wealthiest men, Bill Gates, projects an image of a benign philanthropist using his billions via tax 
via his tax-exempt Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to tackle diseases, solve food shortages in Africa, and alleviate poverty. In a recent conference in California, Gates reveals a less public agenda of his philanthropy population reduction, otherwise known as eugenics. Gates made his remarks to the invitation-only Long Beach, California, TED 2010 conference in a speech titled, Innovating to Zero. Along with the scientifically absurd proposition of reducing man-made CO2 emissions worldwide to zero by 2050, approximately four and a half minutes into the talk, Gates declares, first we got population. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. In plain English, one of the most powerful men in the world states clearly that he expects vaccines to be used to reduce population growth. When Bill Gates speaks about vaccines, he speaks with authority. In January 2010 at the elite Davos World Economic Forum, Gates announced his foundation would give $10 billion over the next decade to develop and deliver new vaccines to children in the developing world. Uh, And it goes on to just talk about, now that sounds like noble philanthropic work. The problem is that the vaccine industry industry has been repeatedly caught dumping dangerous, meaning unsafe because untested or proven harmful vaccines onto unwitting third world populations when they cannot get rid of the vaccines in the West. Some organizations have suggested that the true aim of the vaccinations is to make people sicker and even more susceptible to disease and premature death. So I'm not going to read that whole article. It's easy for you to find. Just uh, the title is uh, Bill Gates on Vaccines to Reduce Population, and it's uh, at rents.com. So I won't belabor that one because I want to get to the punchline here and this uh, second segment of Business Buzz. And this is business-related because this is the business of medicine that's one of the more, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, uh, one of the more crooked businesses uh, in the world right now. Now, the second of my three articles is called, and this is from April, uh, updated April 21st. Wow, that's today. It's called Coronavirus Was Developed in a Wuhan Lab as Vaccine or Bioweapon. Now, I will remind you that on Business Buzz, I'm probably the first local person that you ever heard mention that it's probably man-made. And I said that probably about six weeks ago. I'd have to look, look, at, I'd have to look up when I said it. So uh, this isn't some big shock to me, but I'm just going to read over a couple of the parts of this article. It's a real good article because it's got 30 parts and you can index them on the first page. And it's from a guy named Peter Myers. And uh, so I'm just going to read part of the introduction. It says, the mainstream media, which we can justly term the Ministry of Truth, uh, based on George Orwell's 1984, is lying to us about COVID-19. The reason it is so deadly is that it was developed as a bioweapon, but escaped from its lab. Biological warfare should be outlawed, but developed countries operate BSL-4 labs, also called P4 labs, under the auspices of the WHO, which is World Health Organization, where they develop deadly pathogens to release on an enemy one day. In conjunction with the weapon, they develop a vaccine to protect their own side. In the case of COVID-19, it was no doubt still in an experimental stage. No vaccine had been developed at the time. Which labs were developing it? Two that we know of. The University of North Carolina under Professor Ralph Barrick and Wuhan Institute of Virology, whose P4 lab is headed by Professor Shi Zhengli. She is her family name. She is the world expert on bat coronaviruses. She and Ralph Barrick, in conjunction with other virologists from their two labs and others, were doing joint research during which they modified existing viruses, making them, making them more deadly. This is called gain of function. It had been outlawed in the U.S., but the ban was lifted to enable them to continue. At the time, 2015, a virologist with the Louis Pasteur Institute of Paris warned, if the new virus escaped, nobody could predict the trajectory. Now we know. Even though the Chinese and U.S. virologists seem to be in partnership, Chinese scientists have recently been caught 
stealing Western technology and taking it home to China as part of the Thousand Talents Plan promoted by, by its government for technology transfer. So no doubt each side in this compact had its own agenda. It's possible that the Pentagon and CIA were secretly involved too. Now both sides are covering up their role. Uh, COVID-19 is a kind of SARS virus. A peer review study in, 20, in 2005 found that chloroquine inhibits SARS uh, coronavirus. Uh, Chinese hospitals report that chloroquine is an effective treatment for COVID-19, but this does not suit big pharma in the USA. It wants the world to wait months or years while they develop vaccines and test them, after which they hope to make a killing. Okay, so that's the setup in the second article. Now I'm going to share with you the third article, which is the punchline of this whole thing. And it is from April 17th by truepundit.com. And it says, Dr. Fauci's agency to get billions from Bill Gates' COVID-19 vaccine scam. Now you see why I read those other two articles first, or part of them. It says, if you are one of the millions of Americans wondering why Dr. Anthony Fauci is vehemently cheerleading and praising a coronavirus vaccine for all Americans, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says, follow the money. Bobby Kennedy Jr. dropped a bombshell on the Thomas Paine podcast detailing an apparent agreement between the National Institute of Health, NIH, and the Bill Gates-backed pharmaceutical company that has the best chance at this point of securing lucrative contracts for a national coronavirus vaccine. That puts your government in bed with Big Pharma and Gates and could pay as much as 50% of the profits to the NIH. Well, that's the start of the punchline. I'll finish the punchline after this break. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Racing thoughts, sleepless nights, feeling irritable and on edge. If you're like many, that describes how you've been feeling lately. On the next Focus on the Family, Dr. Gregory Jantz offers advice for coping with anxiety and depression during these times of uncertainty. It's encouragement you can trust next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family, weekday mornings at 7.30 here on Life Radio KKXX. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. Under the law of the state of South Carolina, public colleges are required to mandate that students take a year-long course on the U.S. Constitution. However, Clemson University refuses to abide by the existing law and opposes a South Carolina bill updating it. Well, colleges and universities fail to educate students on the Constitution. It's no coincidence we see attacks on freedom of speech and religion on campuses. Well, Pacific Justice Institute has developed a free resource to inform public university students of their rights. Visit pji.org. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I hoped he'd get help. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, enjoying a mid-tax season afternoon. I hope you're doing okay. hope you're staying healthy. So I want to continue with this article because Robert Kennedy Jr. is a very, uh, he's very big about uh, 
complaining about vaccines, uh, just like me. I've done that many times on Business Buzz. So I'm just going to continue reading a little bit of this. That puts your government in bed with Big Pharma and Gates and could pay as much as 50% of the profits to the NIH, the parent agency that employs Dr. Anthony Fauci, who again is lobbying for the vaccine. Does Fauci get a cut of the bounty too, or has he already been cut in? Federal officials are not commenting on Kennedy's alarming information, but the NIH is the key player in deciding what vaccines get approved for coronavirus, and the NIH and government would profit wildly, as Kennedy said, if the Gates-backed pharma play Moderna, Inc. gets the green light. Kennedy slammed both Gates and Fauci on numerous occasions during the exclusive interview with Payne. Gates' company is already in human trials with the vaccine just weeks after the outbreak. So I'll let you read more on that. It says read more at truepundit.com. So you can go to that website and look some things up. One of my big beefs in this whole thing is that if you listen to certain news organizations, you'll just be scared witless by this whole virus thing. You're they're making people be afraid to talk with other people. You can't meet in the same room with other people because it's dangerous. It's just really weird. And in my opinion, the more news you watch, the more scared you're going to get and the less safe it's going to make you. It just doesn't make sense. So uh, for anybody wondering about the news and what they're hearing, I've got another interesting article. This one's from July 17th of 2013 uh, from a place called uh, Free Press. I think it's the American Free Press. And it is, well, I'm sorry, before I get to that article about the press, I want to talk about something that the NIH came up in that last article. And this is something that I've only seen this in one book in all my reading in the last 40 years, I saw one book that had it, and I know I still have the book somewhere, but I've given away so many printed books to charities over the last 10 or 15 years since I began reading ebooks and uh, Nook and Kindle that I can't locate that one book that I know had an article about this. So I'm just going to share something that directly happened to me and a friend of mine. Well, it happened to a friend of mine. And I'm not saying that I'm convinced this is definitely true, but since I did read in a book that a guy was disclosing some interesting stuff, at least I'm not making this up by myself. I'm not the only person who has thought this. And I'll tell you exactly what happened. My best friend in high school, he's the reason that I ended up in Chico. He We graduated together, and he was heading to Chico State to do his college work, and I was signed up to go to Cal State Hayward because that's the town I lived in, and it was just, it seemed to be a good thing to do. I helped my friend move up to Chico in August of that year, and I had so much fun when I moved him into the dorm. It was Whitney Hall, the most fun dorm of all time. And I had so much fun, and I met so many fun people. And uh, to make a long story short, when I left after that weekend of helping him move, I went to Cal State Hayward's admissions office, and I started my transfer papers so that the following year I would transfer to, to Cal State Chico, which I did. So during the year, while I was still going to Cal State Hayward, I would come up and visit my friend a lot in the dorm and we'd have a lot of fun. And I met a lot of people who I ended up living with the following year in the dorm. So I already had a pretty good group of friends in Chico by the time I enrolled here, which was my second year of college. Now, the interesting thing is uh, this was in like the mid seventies and my friend, as it turns out, and I didn't know this at the time, even though I, you know, probably should have guessed, but he didn't really share it with me because we were just really close friends in high school. He was a gay man who was very promiscuous, and he was always telling me he was going to the library to study, 
But then after the first year or two of college, he didn't have good grades and he dropped out, so I should have been suspicious. But th- the point of my story isn't the fact that he was keeping that a secret from me. Uh, we were, you know, fr- I had a girlfriend at the time and we did share an apartment one semester, but he was always gone. And uh, it was just a, um, like I say, I found this out after we both had left Chico for a couple of years and I sort of parted ways with her. I wasn't really friends with him after college. I found out through him at that time that he was a promiscuous gay gay guy. And uh, to make a long story short, I'm just trying to the best way to tell this story because it's just a little bit, it's sounding a little disjointed, but he ended up dying of AIDS in the early 90s. I remember talking to him once when he was sick, and then I talked to his parents who I knew uh, later. And, uh, of course, they would never say the word AIDS. They would say HIV and he ended up dying in the early 90s. But it gave me a real interesting remembering of back in the late 70s when we were friends, 77 or 78, he had a friend who turned out to be a gay guy and uh, a gay man. Um, I think the word gay is politically correct. I don't mean to derogatorily talk about homosexuals. I just say the word gay because everybody knows what it means and it's it's easy to say. He took a trip to the National Institutes of Health in the late 70s, and he told me at the time that this friend of his said, hey, we can go take a trip to Washington, and it's all paid for, and we just have to take a, a vaccine or something. And I remember that he spent, I don't know, three weeks or two or three weeks. He was just, you know, away in in Washington with this friend of his at this National Institutes of Health study. And I didn't really put two and two together, even when he died of AIDS, because after college, him and I had had a discussion and he kind of what they call came out of the closet. And he told me, well, you know, you know, all those times I said I was going to the library, uh, I had a bunch of friends and I was promiscuous. And so that him and I sort of, we weren't really close friends after that. It was not a, it just was, it didn't sit real well with me. I mean, I had spent a lot of time with him. We had gone out and had meals together and it just seemed a little bit devious that he should have probably told me that back in the days where him and I were always around town together. But I mean, it, it didn't matter to me that much, but we just became distant friends after that. We weren't real close. Then I read this article And what this article said was that our government in the late 70s recruited the most promiscuous male men from all the metropolitan areas and injected them. And I won't say what they did. But this article that I read in this book fit in exactly perfect with a guy that I knew who it turned out he was a promiscuous uh, man and a friend of his said, hey, we can go to Washington, D.C., and they'll pay for it. And uh, they had to get some kind of, it was some kind of experiment. Now, I'm not going to come out and say in words what I'm thinking, but a few years after that, AIDS blew up on the scene, and it was huge. And this person that was my former roommate uh, actually died of, of it in the early 90s. So... Uh, I'm not I'm not going to come to that conclusion, but I will say that if anybody knows about that it's it's worth researching what was the NIH doing in the late 70s uh inviting uh promiscuous men to get some sort of vaccine. That's all I'm going to say. And the more I read about this gate stuff and this coronavirus stuff and all of the vaccines they want to do, uh, the more I th- the more I do believe that there's a chance that uh, my friend had actually been infected with something on purpose. Now, I'm not saying it's true. I can't say for sure. I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on television. But it sure seems a little suspicious uh, with these weird governmental organizations that seem to always want to promote vaccines. And I talked to you a few weeks ago about the vaccine court. If you don't remember that discussion, 
there's a special place where you go if your child is damaged by a vaccine and you don't get to go to regular court, you get shuffled off to a secret court called the vaccine court, and that's where you have to try to settle your case against the big pharmaceutical companies. I've been talking about this for, for quite a while on Business Buzz. I won't belabor it because we're going to have our, our last segment, which is coming up pretty soon. We're going to uh, delve into some more, uh, shall I say, uh, peaceful topics. But I did want to share that. So uh, I'll just give you the title of this article you can find on the Internet. It's from July 7th of 2013 called Operation Mockingbird. New York Times confesses to role in subverting First Amendment. And uh, I'll let you read it. I'm not going to read it. I'm running out of time today. But I was going to just share that for anybody there who's getting a little tired of 24-hour coverage of a virus that may or may not be natural. So that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. So if you want to search, let me see what this place is called. It's called freepress.org. So go to freepress.org and look up Operation Mockingbird. Very interesting reading. I'll see you after the break. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Pastor Greg Lundstedt from Equipping the Saints Radio. Do you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Then we invite you to tune in to Equipping the Saints to hear the uncompromising preaching and teaching of God's Word on this station. For more information, look us up on the web at www.etsradio.org. We look forward to our time in the Word together. Weeknights at 6.30 here on KKXX. When dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm also writing a book called The Miracle Business Method. Not done yet. It's a long time in the works. And it's about the business of peace, I would say. So if you haven't guessed by now, some of you probably like this. Some of you probably turn the radio off for 15 minutes. I don't know. And honestly, what can I do? One of my favorite sayings is, what other people think of you is none of your business. I don't know whether you like this or not, but I'm assuming if you listen to me more than once, it must not be that bad. And I always figure, just like in Business Buzz, when I talk about gold and silver and uh, man-made viruses and tax laws, I always like, and banks and bailouts and trillions of disappearing money, Boy, I could use a billion or two myself. It wouldn't hurt. Where do I where do I get in line? So I like to give you the alternate viewpoint on everything. Now, with the next alternate viewpoint I'm going to give you for uh, the final segment here today is the alternate view of peace and peace of mind. 
which for me comes from the book called A Course in Miracles. Yes, if you don't like it, please turn the radio off. I don't want to upset you any further, but it makes me feel good. I enjoy it. I've been studying it now for about 12 years, and I wouldn't trade it for all the all the bat soup in China. How's that? So I'm going to, since we're on the subject of bat soup and uh, wild corona sickness, which is, uh, in my opinion, it's a matter of opinion, I'm going to read chapter 10-3, The God of Sickness. You have not attacked God, and you do love him. Can you change your reality? No one can will to destroy himself. When you think you are attacking yourself, it is a sure sign that you hate what you think you are. And this and only this can be attacked by you. What you think you are can be very hateful, and what this strange image makes you do can be very destructive. Yet the destruction is no more real than the image, although those who make idols do worship them. The idols are nothing, but their worshipers are the sons of God in sickness. God would have them released from their sickness and return to his mind. He will not limit your power to help them because he has given it to you. Do not be afraid of it because it is your salvation. What comforter can there be for the sick children of God except his power through you? Remember that it does not matter where in the sonship he is accepted. He is always accepted for all, and when your mind receives him, the remembrance of him awakens throughout the sonship. Heal your brothers simply by accepting God for them. Your minds are not separate, and God has only one channel for healing because he has but one son. God's remaining communication link with all his children joins them together and them to him. To be aware of this is to heal them because it is the awareness that no one is separate and so no one is sick. To believe that a son of God can be sick is to believe that part of God can suffer. Love cannot suffer because it cannot attack. Now I'm going to just interject here. I always have to do a little reminder when I'm reading from the course because I was reading it for a year or two before I realized the significant thing you have to always remember is that this book is saying that the, the world as we see it is not real and there's two sides to your mind, the one that believes you're here and the other side that can step back and observe your own thoughts. That's what the mind that he's talking about. He says we all share it. So I'm going to continue. The remembrance of love, therefore, brings invulnerability with it. Do not side with sickness in the presence of a son of God, even if he believes it, for your acceptance of God in him acknowledges the love of God he has forgotten. That kind of reminds me of walking through the grocery store and looking at all the people wearing masks. Your recognition of him as part of God reminds him of the truth about himself, which he is denying. Would you strengthen his denial of God and thus lose sight of yourself? Or would you remind him of his wholeness and remember your creator with him? To believe a son of God is sick is to worship the same idol he does. God created love, not idolatry. All forms of idolatry are caricatures of creation, taught by sick minds too divided to know that creation shares power and never usurps it. Sickness is idolatry because it is the belief that power can be taken from you. Yet this is impossible because you are part of God who is all power. A sick God must be an idol made in the image of what its maker thinks he is. And that is exactly what the ego does perceive in a son of God, a sick God, self-created, self-sufficient, very vicious, and very vulnerable. Is this the idol you would worship? Is this the image you would be vigilant to save? Are you really afraid of losing this? Look calmly at the logical conclusion of the ego's thought system and judge whether its offering is really what you want, for this is what it offers you. To obtain this, you are willing to attack the divinity of your brothers and thus lose sight of yours, and you are willing to keep it hidden to protect an idol you think will save you from the dangers for which it stands, but which do not exist. There are no idolaters in the kingdom, but there is great appreciation for everything that God created because of the calm knowledge that each one is part of him. God's son knows no idols, but he does know his father. Health in this world is the counterpart of value in heaven. 
It is not my merit that I contribute to you, but my love, for you do not value yourself. When you do not value yourself, you become sick. But my value of you can heal you, because the value of God's Son is one. When I said, My peace I give unto you, I meant it. Peace comes from God through me to you. It is for you, although you may not ask for it. When a brother is sick, it is because he is not asking for peace and therefore does not know he has it. The acceptance of peace is the denial of illusion, and sickness is an illusion. Yet every son of God has the power to deny illusions anywhere in the kingdom merely by denying them completely in himself. I can heal you because I know you. I know your value for you, and it is this value that makes you whole. A whole mind is not idolatrous and does not know of conflicting laws. I will heal you merely because I have only one message, and it is true. Your faith in it will make you whole when you have faith in me. Now, when he says faith in me, he's not saying he's God. He's just saying he's, he's awakened to the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to continue. I do not bring God's message with deception, and you will learn this as you learn that you always receive as much as you accept. You could accept peace now for everyone and offer them perfect freedom from all illusions because you heard his voice, but have no other gods before him or you will not hear. God is not jealous of the gods you make, but you are. You would save them and serve them because you believe that they made you. You think they are your father because you are projecting onto them the fearful fact that you made them to replace God. Yet when they seem to speak to you, remember that nothing can replace God, and whatever replacements you have attempted are nothing. Very simply then, you may believe you are afraid of nothingness, but you are really afraid of nothing, and in that awareness you are healed. You will hear the God you listen to. You made the God of sickness, and by making him you made yourself able to hear him. Yet you did not create him, because he is not the will of the Father. He is therefore not eternal and will be unmade for you the instant you signify your willingness to accept only the eternal. If God has but one Son, there is but one God. You share reality with him because reality is not divided. To accept other gods before him is to place other images before yourself. You do not realize how much you listen to your gods and how vigilant you are on their behalf. Yet they exist only because you honor them. Place honor where it is due, and peace will be yours. It is your inheritance from your real father. You cannot make your father, and the father you made did not make you. Honor is not due to illusions, for to honor them is to honor nothing. Yet fear is not due to them either, for nothing cannot be fearful. You have chosen to fear love because of its perfect harmlessness, and because of this fear you have been willing to give up your own perfect healthfulness and your own perfect health. Only at the altar of God will you find peace, and this altar is in you because God put it there. And I'll just interject again. That's what I've keep, I always have to point out with the course is that the whole course is based on the two minds, and you, it's trying to get you to spend time with that other mind, the one that listens to your other thoughts, not the one that is run by your thoughts. So I want you to remember that when I'm reading this. You can give up the God of sickness for your brothers. In fact, you would have to do so if you give him up for yourself. For if you see the God of sickness anywhere, you have accepted him. And if you accept him, you will bow down and worship him because he was made as God's replacement. He is the belief that you can choose which God is real. Although it is clear that this has nothing to do with reality, it is equally clear that it has everything to do with reality as you perceive it. So I'm going to stop with the incessant reading. But, I mean, what could be better than that? Even whether whether you believe it's true or not, I always say you don't have to believe it, just try it. And even if you deny it after you've tried it, well, at least you've tried it. And if there is something that can offer you peace of mind and denial of sickness and that whole bit that we just kind of went over there, Honestly, what harm could it do? It's just a thought. It's free. 
you don't have to pay for it like you have to pay for food and, oh, toilet paper. I got to announce I found toilet paper after about four weeks of searching and finding emptiness in the, in the shelves. I found some at Safeway the other day. I looked for a limit sign on the shelf because if it said limit one, I would have only got one, but I honestly could not find a sign. There was two types available. One was the blue strong type. One was the red soft type. And since I figured, well, maybe if there's a limit of one, I could try two different types because I don't want to be labeled a hoarder because I've been accusing in my mind, my, my wrong mind, you remember, not my, not my coarse mind, but my wrong mind. Uh, I've been secretly uh, cursing under my breath every time I go to the store for the people who hoarded toilet paper in the first week of this thing. I guess they were a little smarter than me, but to make a long story short, I grabbed two packs of toilet paper. I took them to the counter, and I even verbally asked the clerk if that was okay if I had two, and she sort of shushed me and didn't want me to say that. So I'm assuming it was a limit one thing, but I did not see the sign. But I think after four weeks of no paper, I think I'm entitled to two packs, but of course, I didn't take the last two. There was actually about eight of each there. I couldn't believe it. I must have just timed my trip exactly right. So that's just another positive message. All hope is not lost. You think there's no more toilet paper, then you one day you go to Safeway and bam, there's toilet paper on the shelves, just like it never happened. It's awesome. I never thought I'd be saying stuff like that. Even though I've been touting gold as the main money insurance everybody should have, I'm still still thinking that's true. As far as a quick update on metals, I just did a little shopping today, and the cheapest I could find any place that actually had any, you could get an American Silver Eagle, which normally would sell for about $2 over spot. So when spot is about $15 today, for silver, normal price of an American Silver Eagle a few months ago would have been, say, $17.50 a piece. Well, today, the only American Silver Eagle, I'm not even sure the store that was advertising them had them available. I'm thinking they didn't. They were offering them for $24 each. If you do the math, I got to do the math, that's a 60% increase over spot. So if spot is 15 and the Silver Eagle is 24, they're adding $9 of premium onto that quote price, which is the paper price. And that is a 60% markup of the quote spot price. Next week, I think I'm going to delve into a little bit of the problem the metals dealers are having because there isn't any. And there we go. Another business buzz comes to a close. I wanted to share my exciting story of discovering toilet paper in Chico. I will be back soon, so stay tuned to Business Buzz every Tuesday at 3. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico. Sour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. The Senate has approved new funding for the popular Paycheck Protection Program. More from Capitol Hill correspondent Bob Agnew. After almost two weeks since Majority Leader McConnell first tried and failed to win unanimous consent. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed, no. The ayes appear to have it. The eyes do have it. It was also a victory for Minority Leader Senator Charles Schumer and the Democrats who've been pushing for more money for hospitals and coronavirus testing. We can give loans to small businesses, but if there are no customers walking the streets to go into their stores, what good is that? Total price tag close to another half trillion dollars. Bob Agnew reporting. A new Veterans Administration study on hydroxychloroquine showed no benefits in fighting the coronavirus. Researchers reported there were more than twice as many deaths among patients getting hydroxychloroquine than usual care. The analysis involved 368 men with COVID-19 in U.S. veterans' hospitals. 
Dr. Stephen Hahn of the Food and Drug Administration says this is but one test. This is something that a doctor would need to consider as part of a decision in writing a prescription for hydroxychloroquine. And as I've mentioned from this podium and in other venues before, what, what FDA is going to require is data from clinical trials, randomized clinical trials, uh, hydroxychloroquine, placebo, to actually make a definitive decision around safety and efficacy. President Trump also announced at his daily coronavirus press briefing he'll be signing an executive order limiting immigration into the United States. Uh, we'll sign it most likely tomorrow, being drawn now and tonight. And uh, it's something we have to have in this country. We have to have it. Mr. Trump will be placing a 60-day pause on the issuance of certain immigration green cards in an effort to limit competition for jobs in an economy wrecked by the coronavirus. On Wall Street, the data by 632 points. The Nasdaq dropped 298. More on these stories at townhall.com. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issue and company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Cases of the coronavirus reportedly were spread in Milwaukee during Wisconsin's primary earlier.